Is this thing on? <laughs> You're listening to Echale Ganas with Jenny and Vero, where we talk about life, familia, entrepreneurship, nuestra cultura, mental health, and everything in between. Así que persínate y agárrate. Hola, hola. Welcome back to Echaleganas Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about family hardships and finding success when you were destined for failure. This podcast is going to revolve around Vero, so I will become the interviewer and she will become the interviewee. Interviewee? Is that how you say that? Yeah, that's how you say that, baby. You got okay. it right. So we are going to be talking to her about her early childhood experiences, positive and negative, and how they have impacted her to become who she is today. You ready? I is ready, babe. Okay. All right. So I want to talk about how coming from an abusive home led you to believe that there was no way for you to find success, how it forced you to think that you were destined for failure. Growing up, I didn't have any sort of support from mom and dad. You know, you're, you grow up people telling you that the only people that in this world are, you know, programmed to love you is mom and dad. And that was not the case for me. They did not have any sense of support for anything that I would do. Both of my parents are pretty fucked up. <laughs> my mom has... Are we allowed to curse on podcasts? <laughs> we already got the explicit thing okay. on there, so we're allowed so to we curse. curse. So both of my parents are pretty fucked up. My mom has borderline uh, personality disorder, and I found that out this year, right, baby? Yes. It was this year. And that was, like, not because my mom actually went to the doctor and got diagnosed. It's because I went to therapy and my therapist helped me understand. realize and understand the kind of mother that I had. And my dad is an alcoholic to this day. And that man is still an alcoholic. My father has started drinking at the age of 12. That's when my dad started drinking. Which... I started drinking at the age of 14 because I had heard my dad tell me, hey, I started at the age of 12. Um, and that made me feel like... It almost normalized it. Yeah, it almost made me feel like, oh, it's okay. It's not a big deal. So, and then in my house, I mean, there was always alcohol. My parents, this is going to sound a little fucked up, but I'm, I mean, it's a, I think it's a Latino culture. I don't know. I talked to Jen about these things and Jen had normal good parents. <laughs> so my parents, to put me to sleep, they would put beer in my in my bottle. Para que me durmiera. And I wouldn't bother them. Because I was too much for them. So that just, you know, that just gives you like an idea of what my childhood was. Um, so it made me feel, you know... Growing up in that and never knowing, I did not know that moms and dads did not punch each other or no, wait, let me, let me fix that. 
I didn't know that dads did not kick or punch their mother when they were their fighting. Wives. Their wives. I'm sorry. Yes, their, their wives. Um, when they were fighting until I was in first grade. So how old are you in first grade? Like seven? Six or seven. Six or seven. I figured out that not all mommies and daddies would get into physical altercations every time that there was an argument. And that was because one of my little friends was telling me about how his dad had gotten mad at his mom because I think mom had not, you know, done, made dinner or something, something, you know, minuscule, something that's small and doesn't mean anything. And now like I can not cook dinner for Jen and Jen will be like, well, whatever, I'll just go pick something up. Right. And my little friend is telling me this and I start feeling this like crazy amount of anxiety. And I just blatantly ask my little friend and I'm like, did your dad punch your mom because she didn't make the food? And my friend looks at me and they're like, uh, no, my dad just went to go pick up McDonald's. And I was like, what? What do you mean your dad didn't punch your mom for not making dinner? So that just goes to show you that... And this is at seven years old. This is at seven years old, yeah, that I didn't know anything else but the abuse that was in my, in my home. And the reason why we're doing this podcast, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of having to talk about my life. There's a lot of things that I've, I've never even been able to talk to Jen about because it's too much. I feel like I'm going to give her PTSD from <laughs> my stories. Um, but I'm, I'm deciding to share this because I think there's a lot of people out there that have gone through the things that I've gone through in my life. And you need to know that although our whole lives we've been told that we're going to be nothing more than a piece of shit, because that's what I was always told from the moment that I got out of my mom's womb. It's not true, you know? And that's why everything that Jen and I do and everything that Jen and I have accomplished in these last couple of years means so much to me and to the both of us. Because I went from every single day being told, you're never going to do anything. You're never going to amount to anything. You're just a dumb girl, you know. You're always going to need me. You're always, you're never going to be able to make it out on your own. And then to see everything that Jen and I have been able to create now, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's crazy to be able to say, I am... We're business ha- owners. That we are business owners. We're married. We're married. In a happy marriage. It's not for fakesies. It's, it's really a happy marriage. We have a nice, beautiful little family. We have amazing, an amazing future waiting for us. And I've, we have never had to ask anybody for anything. And I think that more than anything, you have proved to the two biggest abusers in your life that you can stand on your own. Like, yes, I'm here and I'm your biggest supporter and I am, you know, your legs when you can't stand on your own, but... You have managed to break a vicious cycle because, yes, your dad was abusive. He was an alcoholic or is an alcoholic. But that's what he had seen his whole life. And this is in no way an excuse because I do not excuse 
family violence at any point, but you have broken that cycle. Your grandfather was an abuser, and I'm pretty sure that his dad and his grandfather and down the line, nobody had been able to break that cycle, and you have. And I think that's something that, yes, it's incredibly hard to talk about, I can imagine, but it's a part of your story and it's a part of our business because in a way it has shaped so much of jzd and now of this podcast yeah yeah and in a way i am privileged because i come from a very good household my parents are freaking heaven sent jen's parents honestly i love them to death they honestly they taught me what a mom and a dad were supposed to be i I'm sad at the fact that I didn't get to meet them sooner in my life because I had no idea what a mom was supposed to be or any idea what a dad was supposed to be. And it's a crazy story. I it, This is just another little side story about this it is when Jen and I first got together, um, her mom invited us over for dinner. And Jen's mom is a feisty woman. She... That woman, I love her to death, but she is feisty. And Jen's dad is the most peaceful man that you can ever imagine in the world. Like, that man, you know... He's incredibly patient. Yes, he is the most patient man in the world. But mind you, I am brand new to the family. I am, you know, they're having dinner. I'm sitting down. Jen's mom's serving us dinner. And I don't entirely know what happened. Oh, I think Jen's dad... uh, I call him Gus the Bus. Gus the Bus decides to ask Jen's mom uh, for, I think, a fork or a napkin, something of that sort. And he's like, hey, gorda, me traes un, un tenedor, por favor. And Jen's mom's like, no, you get up and grab it yourself. But she said it like with an attitude, like, no, parate tú y agárralo. And I swear to you that my first instinct was, oh, my God. Jen's dad is about to go and hit the shit out of Jen's mom. He's about to slap the shit out of her because that was so rude and disrespectful. But guess what happened? He got up and he got the fork. And he said, okay, gorda. And he got up and he got the fork. Like nothing. He got up, got it, sat sat down again and started eating dinner. And then I think he might have even like grabbed her hand and like given her a kiss when she sat down because they're normal. And (laughs) I feel like that story made my mom seem out to be like a monster. She's not. She's not a monster. But she like. But my mom, both my mom and my dad, they have a very 50-50 relationship. You know, like my mom does not how do I say this? There is no, you have to do this or you cannot do this. My mom and my dad each have the liberty to be individuals and then they come together and they make an amazing couple. Yeah. And my whole life, I always wanted to have that when I got older. I always said that I wanted to have a marriage like the marriage that my parents had because my parents, and I'm not saying they never fought. Of course they fought. You know, they're, they're a marriage. You all, you, there's always yeah, you're gonna bicker disagreements, about yeah. <laughs> but my mom and my dad were always 
happy because they could be who they wanted to be without fear of being judged or, you know, or being less than the others. They've always been equals. And yes, my mom cooks breakfast, lunch, and dinner for my dad because at the end of the day, we are a very, very, very Mexican family. But if one day my mom does not feel like making dinner or does not feel like packing up my dad lunch, then my dad is never, ever going to tell her, you know, you have to do this for me. He's never demanded Never. Like, they have such a... And it's the same for my mom. If my dad one day, you know, doesn't want to take out the trash or, you know, the responsibilities that he has around the household, then my mom doesn't hold him accountable if he's had a long day at work or if he's exhausted. Um, so to Vettel, that was unheard of. It was almost like she was in this shock and she she literally came home that day and she was like, I cannot believe that your dad did not hit your mom because she didn't want to get the fork. Mind you, I'm a, th- at that point, I'm a 25, 24-year-old woman. Yes. And I'm still like, oh, what? They're not gonna... Always expecting. Yeah. Think, violence mm-hmm. and... Exactly. It, it, arguments. Yeah, an argument, something, you know, to ruin dinner, to ruin... Just everything around it to get a glass thrown at you or to get the food thrown at the floor. Like, it was so weird. And I told Jen, I was like, your family is weird as fuck. And for, what was it, baby? Like, two years, I was like, these people are fucking weird. I think it took a long time. So we've been married for four Um, years. It'll be five years um, this year. But I think it took until therapy. Yeah. To realize that my parents were, normal. were no, not weird. They were just Good a family, people, yeah. you know? And and again, I'm very privileged because my parents, I'm an only child. And I think I've said that in podcasts before. but Every podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a huge part of my family because my mom had a really hard time getting pregnant. So I was unawaited child i mean they she is a miracle baby they really really wanted to have me so when i came along it was almost like my mom and my dad decided to live their life for me and i know that that's a huge privilege and it took therapy for Beto to be able to realize that she was now a part of the family and that she was loved because she was a part of me and so therefore was a part of our family. And believe me, I fought it. I fought the love of Jen's parents. And I didn't understand. Like, I honestly believe that they had it out to get me. (laughs) They really did. And they're going to hear this podcast and they're going to be like, why? You know, like, you're crazy. We loved you. But that's just where, how my abuse... See... I wasn't only physically abused, it was also mental abuse. And this is, like I said, from the moment that I got out of my mother's womb, it was abuse, 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 abuse. Like, I did not know anything else but abuse. And I know that there's people out there that have had it way worse than me. But when you're forming a child, like, when you're developing this child at home... 
and all they know is just that abuse, everything else around them or anything that is not abused that's shown to them, it's is like, what? This isn't normal. So it's almost like you reject my normal. But- exactly. My normal. What was supposed to be normal was abuse, was belittling, was a, a, a physical abuse. What You know, like it was never, uh, hey, you know, mijita, good morning. You know, I love the fact that I got pregnant and I had you. I have never in my life heard my parents say that they were grateful that I was born. I have never in my life heard my dad say that he was happy that he had married my mom. You know, so all I ever knew, and in my head, all I ever thought was normal was for parents to be unhappy because they got married and because they had a kid. So all this to, 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 to say that this is why my for my whole life, more than half of my life, I thought that I was never going to amount to anything and I was going to fail at everything because that's what my dad always told me. You know, uh, he would always tell me that without him, I would be nothing. And if I didn't do what he told me to do, then I was stupid. And that there was no need for me to get educated because nobody was ever going to be smarter than him. So any time that I would do, and I was a pretty good kid, you know, I was an applied student. I was always in honor rolls. I was always doing special projects. I loved to read. I was this weird little thing that my parents had, you know, I was nothing like my mom and my dad, or I guess I am like them. I, I can't even tell you if I am like them or not, because I never got to know who they really were because they were just so unhappy about everything in their lives. So I loved to read and I was an accelerated reader and I would get points and I would be on the announcements and I would go, you know, I would, I became this little kid that just wanted to please her parents, but I could never do it. But not because it was something wrong with me. It's because they couldn't please themselves. I almost feel like the emotional abuse is worse than the physical abuse because... Your whole life, you went way out of your way to make them happy. And, you know, as a child, it was like you're saying, like, the AR points and A on a roll. And then you joined karate and you Mm -hmm. were getting trophies and you were doing everything to be enough for them. But to them, it was never Enough. enough. And so I feel like that is was more impactful to you as an adult when you grew up then you know the actual physical abuse that you were receiving of course that's awful as well but it was more of the fear of I'm never gonna be worth it you know and I feel I mean there's so many stories that she has told me that have saddened me to know that Everything she had to go through, but more than anything, I almost can't believe that she is the person that she is today, considering everything that she went through. I mean, as it is, she's an amazing person, but I always tell her that she's adopted (laughs) and was stuck in this horrible home because she 
is nothing like them. Like, there is absolutely no characteristic that is similar to them, except she kind of looks like them. Very much so, actually. <laughs> Physically. But she is nothing like mom or dad. And, you know, she no longer has a often relationship, or what would you call it? Like, she doesn't have a frequent relationship with them. I don't have a relationship with them. Well, well, I mean, what I was going to say is that we have spent some time with them. Um, I have spent some time with them. And I can genuinely tell you that she's not like them. She, I don't know, I don't know how she came out, how she is. She is not like her siblings either. Her siblings are so different from her. It's almost like she is... She was El Patito Feo. <laughs> but in reality, she was this like gorgeous little swan that was just stuck in this incredibly awful home. But she... I think that the reason why she got it worse, because she is the eldest of three. Mm-hmm. And the abuse was the worst for her. But I think that the reason why... And of course, I am not a professional... Although I do have a degree in psychology. (laughs) I think that the reason why the abuse was so much worse for her, aside from the fact that obviously she was the eldest and in her parents' eyes, she came and she ruined their life because they were irresponsible and did not practice safe sex when they did not want to have a child. But the reason why the abuse was the worst for her, both physical and mental, was because she was everything that they wished they could be. And I know, based on my childhood, that as a parent, you're supposed to want to give them everything you did not have. But in her case, her parents would envy the fact that she could possibly have the things that That they they never had. Mm -hmm. So she was smart. She was in A on a roll. She was into karate. And to their parents, that was infuriating because... It was a threat. Exactly. She just could not grow up to be successful because she always had to be below them. And she was told that millions of times. Well, yeah, you're right about that. But also, it it was... The mental game and the mental abuse was just horrible because, like Jenna's saying, they didn't want me to be more than them right they didn't want me to have the things that they didn't have because it honestly was like my dad was like why are you gonna have christmas presents if i never did like why would why would you get some christmas presents like why why would i do such a thing for you guys you know that was told to me an infinite amount of times on christmas on birthdays on everything when i'd be like hey dad it's my birthday can i get something and be like no why my dad threw a brick at me when it was my birthday you're lucky that i'm not throwing a brick at you you know what i mean like that's that's how it was. But at the same time, if I wasn't better than them, then I was a fucking idiot. There was no winning. It was no winning because I had to grow up by the age of... When do you have, like, reason? By, like, four? Three? Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> but, like I said, my earliest... My, my first look. My first memory of childhood is me having to... Wake up on my parents' bed, wet, because my dad had peed on the bed, because he was so drunk. And then my dad getting up and screaming at me, 
screaming, like legit screaming at me, telling me that I was disgusting for peeing on the bed when he was clearly the one peed on. Mind you, I'm three or four years old. I'm not wetting the bed. I was sound asleep. But my dad peed the bed because he was so drunk. And he, I got blamed. And my mom, instead of defending me and saying, bruh, it was you, my mom spanked me. When she knew that it was my dad. So it, 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 it was just, that's, that's how bad it was. That's my first memory of childhood. That's the first memory that I put in my brain. And there's no other, you know, I don't have that many good memories of when I'm a kid. And then the good memories that I do have is of me being in my backyard playing by myself. Those are my good memories. So if going back to what I was saying is if I was too smart, I, it was, you know, I was being arrogant. If I wasn't smart enough, then I was stupid. Then what the hell was I going to school for? So I had to grow. I had to be an adult. Way too young. Way, 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 way too young. I had to be their friend. I had to be my dad's... Uh, taking care of him. Taking care of him when he was drunk. I had to be the mediator between my parents. I had to... I do this thing when things get really tough that I start being funny. Because I had to be the comedic relief. She's like Joey from... Not Joey. Like Chandler from Friends. Yeah, I had to be the comedic relief with my parents. So I would try to, like, beef... Because I would start seeing my dad getting really angry and, like, throwing things around, throwing bottles and yelling at my mom and putting her in a corner about to beat her. So what would little Vero do? I would start dancing and singing. I love to sing and to dance and I come up with my own songs and stuff. And now that I'm married to Jen, it's fun. Like, I love to make up songs for Jen. But when I was a kid, it was exhausting. And it was my job. And I'd be like, look at me, look at me. I'm cute. Look at me. I'm dancing and I'm, and I'm singing. And look, I learned a new dance step. And I would do all these things to try to distract my dad from beating my mom. Sometimes it would work. And sometimes it would make my dad get even angrier. And he would, instead of beat my mom, would come and beat me up. Because I was being ridiculous. And then when your siblings came along, you had to protect them as well. Uh, yeah, and then I'm the oldest of three. And I had my younger sister and my younger brother. And my, my little sister is the toothpick. She just, he, she just had a baby and she's still a toothpick. Like, she's tiny. I think she's like 4'11". And uh, my brother, he's the love of my life, aside from Jen. But to me... They were untouchable. Like, I didn't want them to suffer what I had suffered. So anytime that my dad got drunk and he wanted to beat on somebody, I would hide them in the room or in the closet and I would let him beat on me. I would even... My mom would run away from my dad. And instead of... Now that I'm older, I realize that my mom should have... I don't know, protected my siblings and I, instead of me protecting them, my mom and my siblings, uh, she would run and hide and she would leave me there with my dad so he could beat me up instead of her. Um, so it, it was just, you know, a tough growing up there. And then 
it gets even harder because you get older and these things are normal or you think that they're normal or you build some sort of tolerance to it and then you think to you and they you know my I have tengo corazón de pollo and I am the most emotional like I can give you so much love so 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 much love you can do me wrong a million times and I will give you love a million and five times (laughs) because I I always want to see the good in people so once I got older my mom and my dad figured out that guilt tripping me was the best thing they could do so goodbye being a normal teenager you know goodbye me I always said I'm gonna leave this shit town and I'm gonna leave my parents in the shit house the moment that I'm 18 I'm gonna take off to college senior year comes around and my mom gets this mysterious tumor and I can't leave for college which I later find out that she didn't have anything so it was just a really abusive home and I really felt like there was no way out there was a lot of times that I thought about just ending my life because I felt like if I ever left my home to be find my own happiness, they made me feel like I was the most selfish person in the world. And I felt like I couldn't get out. I felt like if I left, my dad was going to kill my mom. I had the weight of a 25-year marriage on my back. And I want to add to that, that she is not exaggerating. That the fast forward to us meeting and us getting together on top of her leaving her home. (laughs) I was gay. She was gay. So, you know, that just made the situation a hundred times worse. The, she, she left her home. Actually, she got kicked out of her home with nothing but the clothes on her back. And what was it, like a few months later? A year later? Like four months later. Her parents got a divorce. And that in itself was such a struggle for her. And what I mean by that is because her whole life, she hoped that her mom would gather the strength to leave. My dad. Her dad, because... At the time, and this is also before therapy. So therapy started like about a year ago, right? Yeah, a year ago I started doing therapy. This was about three and a half, four years ago that this happened. And her whole life, she had believed that her mom cared enough for her as a daughter. You know, that she just loved her and that she was her one true love. But she could never understand why her mom never left her dad. Right, But to excuse her in a way, it was the fact that it was a cycle. And that's all she had known. And so that's why she never left him. Because she did not know how. She did not know anything better. But then, she leaves him. Once she leaves the home. And it was one of the biggest struggles for her to come to understand that it wasn't that she didn't know how to leave him or that she didn't know anything else or that she wasn't strong enough to leave him. It was just the fact that 
She didn't want to, I think. She didn't want to struggle. And it goes back to my mom having the borderline personality disorder. You know, it was... It was just that my mom didn't care enough about us as her children to be like, hey, dude, this is enough. You broke her knee. I'm going to leave you now. Or this kid is only eight years old and she has a black eye because you punched her. I'm going to leave you. Or she can't go to school because her cheek is freaking swollen as hell and your handprint is on her face so we're gonna have she's gonna have to be out of school for two days her favorite thing to do she's gonna have to be out of school for two days because you beat on her because you were frustrated about work that was never enough for my mom that was never good enough of a reason for her to leave never and my mom would always say i can't leave your dad because he's gonna kill me And as a kid, you hear, your dad's going to kill me. And that's all you hear. Daddy is going to kill mommy. Papi va a matar a mamá. But as an adult now, it's like, oh, dude, you only cared about yourself. You were worried about him hurting you. And in my head, I'm like, dude, if him hitting you as an adult hurt could you imagine how bad it hurt me when he would when he would hit me smack me around punch me pinch me all the things that he would do so that was never enough for her my dad did legit i had to have knee surgery on my knee because of how bad my dad hurt my knee and nobody knows that nobody knows that it was because of my dad Everybody always thought it was because I had fallen down at school because I wasn't I hadn't tied my shoelaces. Now they'll know the truth. So to find out, to come and find out that your mom never found you and your siblings worth her struggling a little bit, it fucks you up. It fucks you up and it and, and it leaves you with no fucking will to want to go on with life. And the reason why she finally left him is because he supposedly cheated like 10 years ago. That's Yeah, it was That's the reason why she finally decided to leave him. And so it it fucked her up on an unimaginable level to think that her mom thought that you know, it's not enough that he's beating on my kids and me. And that he's a piece of shit. No, that's not enough. But how dare you cheat on me 10 years ago? You know, that's what finally gave her the willpower to get out of the home. So you can just imagine how your whole life you've thought, you know, your mom cares about you and she's in her own way. She's trying to protect you. And then you realize that it really just this was huge scam where she really just didn't want to. Your whole life was just a lie. You know, your mom, I mean, you're programmed to, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know anybody that doesn't love their mom, even though you want to say that you don't. Everybody loves their mom. You came from her, you know, that's, that's all you know. And then all you know, too, is that they're supposed to love you back. And I found out that that's not, that was not the case for me. That's not the case for everybody. 
Not everybody is lucky enough to say, my mom loves me back unconditionally. That's not the case for me. That's not the case for me and my, my siblings. My mom loves us if we help her pay bills. If we take a hit for her. If we give her money. If we're willing to listen to her problems. My mom does not care for us. But it's because she has an illness. She is ill. And it gets to a point where you're like, well, I can't excuse you anymore, man. I can't find anymore. Because that's what I used to. That's how I think that I got by with life. That I would excuse my parents. With my dad, I would always say, poor dad. You know, he doesn't know any better. My dad doesn't know any better. So what could I do as his kid? All I could do was love him unconditionally. Because that's what I wanted from him. So although my dad treated me like shit and told me that I was never going to do anything and would always humiliate me and tell me that I was a woman and I couldn't do half of the things that he could do. I would still be like, you know what, dad? I love you. And let me take care of you when you're drunk. I don't want you to die. Let me drive you to the stripes <laughs> to buy you some beer. You know, and with my mom, same goes with her. Although she would put me in front for my dad to beat me, she would use me as her shield. I don't know. I think she thought that my dad would stop. But I think that after like 15 years and you saw the man would not stop if you put me in front of you, you'd think, hey, maybe I should take one for the kid. But that was not the case. So although those things would happen, I'd be like, you know what, mom? It's okay. You don't know any better. You don't. Ha you didn't have a dad. You didn't have a mom. I get it. I. 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 I think I. I. I'm gonna try to understand why you're still with your dad because my mom's thing was, you need to have a dad. Let me tell you something. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not need a dad, and I did not need a mom. I would have been better off. So it. It. I don't know, it just blows my mind that she just didn't want to leave him until she found out that he cheated on her, supposedly. And that was the breaking point. And I feel like I should say that most of you are probably wondering how this went on for so long, how school didn't notice, teachers didn't notice, counselors other parents, but CPS, how CPS said nothing about it. By the way, our system fails so many kids. It failed me. But it did. I mean, they did notice. Teachers noticed. The counselor noticed. CPS was sent. But the system sucks. The system fails our children. And I feel like Veno and her siblings are a perfect example of how it's it's almost like this nightmare that just does not end and nobody can end it once you're in it because I mean not that foster care system is any better anyway I used to work in foster care that sucks too the kids get mistreated and abused even in foster care so it's just this vicious cycle that 
unfortunately does not have an end unless you are strong enough to put an end to it when you're old enough. And in a way, she was kind of forced to do that at first because she got kicked out of her house. But I think that's a story for another podcast. The coming coming out and getting kicked out and all that. But there's just no end until you have no other option but to get out of the cycle. Yeah. And then, of course, it's a decision to not bring that into your new family or your new relationships, you know? I constantly... There's one thing that I always tell myself you have an option to pick the life that you want and I chose to not be a victim I chose to be a survivor and I know it sounds cheesy or whatever but there's two paths to pick and I always tell Jen this, and Jen's probably like rolling her eyes right now because I always say it. It's it's it's. I'm not rolling my eyes. It's just, it's it's what I always say. It was like Jen said earlier. It this was a vicious cycle that we were in. My grandpa abused my grandma. My dad saw that. He came to his family. He created abuse. Abused my mom. Abused me. My siblings. You know, and that continued going. And I had a choice. I had a choice to grow up and be an alcoholic like my dad, get married to the woman of my dreams and make her life miserable and my life miserable. That was my, that was, there was a choice there or I could be the complete opposite. I could choose to not be an alcoholic. I could choose to be successful in my own way to find success, which was happiness. That's my success that I found happiness and peace. That's my success story. And I chose to find that rather than be a miserable, alcoholic, abusive person. Because Jen's right. I honestly, I, when I talked to her about my family, when I went into therapy and I spoke to my therapist about my family, the first thing I told him was, I don't understand why I'm not like them. I don't understand how I respect my wife. I don't know how and why I have respect for my marriage. Because my family was the complete opposite. And my therapist immediately told me, you don't have, you're not like your family. Your family is just, you're just sharing blood. But that means nothing. If you don't want them in your life and if you don't want them to, if you don't want to be like them, then that's it. That doesn't mean it's not hereditary to be abusive. And see, in my head, I had made myself believe que era de herencia. That I was going to be, of course, I, you know, my chances of being an alcoholic are much higher than a normal person's, right? Yeah. But I thought that being abusive was something that was in my blood. I thought that being disrespectful and 
just emotionally abusive. Emotionally abusive. I thought that that was a thing that came with. And I fought Jen. I did not want Jen to marry me. I told her. I did everything in my power to push her away and tell her, dude, you are fucked up. If you, if I thought that I was fucked up, no, she's fucked up for wanting to be with me. Cause I am telling you, like I gave her like in bold freaking signs and in like, I screamed at her and told her, I was like, dude, I am fucked up. I am all that is wrong with the world. Everything. I'm probably going to curse at you. I'm probably, I told her all these things and she was like, that's okay. I don't know. I told Jen that I was just bad news. And that there was but money. I there was never, you know, she had had a bad life, but that did not make her a bad person. I mean, we had been friends for what five, four or five years. Yeah, we had been friends for four or five years, and in those four or five years, I had gotten to know about one percent of her bad childhood. You know, she wasn't very open about it, but it's very reserved. But the few times that. I pushed my way in to let her... She's a pusher, guys. I'm a pusher. But the few times that I was able to push my way in and get her to open up to me, I realized that she had lived a bad life. She had had a bad life. But that was not who she was. You know, she was in this bad place mentally. But... She was not an abuser. She was not somebody that was throwing out negativity or hurtfulness. She was the complete opposite. You know, she was somebody damaged that was desperately seeking love, you know, and was desperately seeking somebody to just understand. I don't think she was aware of that, but she was just a person that needed to be told that that bad childhood was not her future. It was not my life. It was not the life, exactly. Like I felt like she had forced herself to believe that her whole life she was going to be miserable and that she was never going to find somebody to understand and accept her fully for what she thought was defects in her character or in her life. And truth be told is that she was never hurtful or she was just never an ill person towards anybody. She was, in fact, the nicest person. The complete opposite of her parents is what she was. She was forgiving. She was so kind to literally everybody, like strangers. She will take the money out of her pocket to give to a stranger. And that just comes naturally to her. So I knew that there was no way that this abusive behavior was in her. Like she thought it was. But it's almost because she was forced to believe that that's who she was going to become. But I knew that that's not who she was. And I know, like, how the heck did you know? What do you know, you know? But I had gotten to know her, and I had gotten to see her, not just how she acted with me, but how she acted with other people, how she acted with strangers, even how she acted with her family. I mean, her parents were pieces of shit, and yet she was so loving to them. 
She was always giving the best of her to them, to the people that were hurtful to her. So sometimes I think about it, and again, I go back to saying that my childhood was near perfect. My parents did everything in their power to give me a better life than the one they had. I mean, we moved over to the U.S. because they wanted to give me a better life, and my dad worked and my mom worked their whole life because they wanted to give me a better life. So I put myself in, my, in her shoes, and I, I constantly ask her, like, how did you not leave your house sooner? How did you not turn around and smack them when you got older and you were strong enough? Like, how did you and your brother, she has a really good relationship with her brother, and her brother is obviously aware of the abuse that went on in that home, although he is eight years younger than her. I always just don't understand how they didn't team up and beat him up. You know, in one of those times where he was beating them up, how did they not tag team and be like, I get the lower half, you get the upper half? But there is no malicia in her. And there was I don't just, know how to say that in English. Like, no tiene malicia, no le desea was, mal a nadie. Absolutamente a nadie. I mean, to tell you guys that we got attacked by a fucking dog this week. And she's crying because they're going to put the dog down. Although she is literally healing from, like, eight dog bites. But she has no badness in her. Maliciousness. Malicious, there you go. <laughs> she, bilingual problems. problems. She has no maliciousness in her, like, she is a genuinely good, caring person. And now I'm like, ro- roles reverse. And I'm like the cheesy one, like saying you're perfect. <laughs> but she's to just, I said all of that to say that that is not the reason. That is the reason why I was not scared away. Because I knew that she was this amazing person that just needed somebody to tell her that her life did not have to be miserable. And her life did not have to be abused anymore. And, and then... I convinced her to go to therapy, and... That was a fight. She did not want to go to therapy. I fought her on that. I was like, no, that's for crazy people. And why do I have to be talking to a stranger about the shit that I went through? Like, I would tell her, I was like, I barely even want to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. What makes you think that I'm going to talk to somebody else about it? And we were married already, and Jen knows my deepest, darkest secrets, you know? But I thank you for... Making me realize that I had to go to therapy. And since therapy, my life has completely changed. And I have been able to see myself in a different light. I have been able to see myself not as a piece of shit. But as somebody that is successful. And that made it out of this horrible situation. And this horrible life that had been made for my, for me. And I did it. You know, the game's not over. But now I can probably say, look at me. Look at where I'm at. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, thank God for another day of life. I turn over and I see my dog and I see Jen and I'm like, I cannot believe that this is my life now. I walk over to my restroom and I see Tiger, our bunny, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my life. I don't wake up with this terrifying anxiousness, if that even makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't wake up paralyzed by fear. I don't wake up to survive. I wake up to live. And that is the greatest gift that I could have ever given myself. Because life was miserable. And like I said before, I many times, many, many times thought about taking my life away. Because I could not deal with it and I didn't see a way out. I didn't see that I could do it. I didn't think that I could do it. I believed all the negative that they had told me. What was the turning point? Like, what was the point in your life where you said, like, I'm going to get out? Like, when did that, did you wake up one day and were like, today is the day that, or like, how did you decide? It was was when I decided to leave the house to be with you. And I know that that sounds like, oh, whatever, she's just saying that because it's her wife. But I know that a lot of you have, I mean, if you have followed this from the beginning, I've always said that Jen saved my life. And she really did. Because the year I came out to myself, I was a late bloomer. Because of fear. <laughs> but I came out to myself like when I was like 24. That's another podcast about coming out. But I was like 23. When I decided to admit to myself that I was gay. Mm-hmm. 23, About, 22? Yeah. I think it was 22. So, no, from then all the way to 24, it was an ongoing battle with myself of like... It was a bad year. Bad. A bad like a year. year, year and a half, two years of me like legit driving home, pissed drunk, and not caring if I got home or not. And I was doing it on purpose because I wanted to crash and I wanted to die. It was drinking till I blacked out, putting myself in the worst situations that I could possibly ever put myself in. And I was just playing this game of, let me see if I make it. Because I was tired, because I didn't see a way out. And I know that a lot of you are probably thinking like, or maybe a lot of you understand, which I hope. Is what's going on. But if you're not understanding of, you know, you're a grown-ass woman. Why don't you just get out? Stockholm Syndrome is very real. I was made believe that I was not going to be able to make it. By the people that are supposed to support you and help you. So there was no way of changing my mind. There's no way of changing my mind that, that, that me leaving that house did not mean my mom dying. Did not mean my brother dying and did not mean my sister dying. Because they all made it very clear. My mom and my dad made it very clear that the moment that I left, all hell would break loose. But when I got with Jen and when Jen was like... Wait, hold on. I want to talk about that year before we got together. We were still friends. Um, And that year, as an outsider was terrifying because she was staying out every single day. I mean, it did not matter if it was a Monday, a Tuesday, a Saturday, a Sunday. It did not matter that she had to show up to work at 6 in the morning the next day. The girl was staying out till 4 or 5 in the morning and drinking. And I was at home always waiting for a call. 
I always, I would lay down in bed and I could not go to sleep because I was thinking tonight is the night that I'm going to get a call from the hospital or from a police officer or somebody's going to come knocking on my door and tell me that she is dead. And there was no way of talking her down from the things that she was doing. There was absolutely no way of making her realize that she was risking her life because to her, like it was meaningless you know yeah that year was I feel like a defining year for her because it was horrible and I I can tell you that I clearly remember staying up so many nights I had afraid and and there was nothing I could say there was nothing I could do to make her realize that she was spiraling out of control and she was going down this dark dark hole and there was just no way of pulling her out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward to a year later. This this whole last this thing lasted about a year. About a year, or so a little more maybe. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to Jen and I discovering that we wanted to be together. And I was like, well, if there's gonna be anybody that's gonna be worth me. You know, risking risking everything for because my family was everything to me, although they were what they were. I said, Jen is it. And I was scared shitless because I, my mom kicked me out of the house and I didn't tell my dad that I was leaving because I legit, 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 honestly. On my hand on a Bible, thought that my dad would kill me that same night. If I told him that I was leaving to be with a woman. And that I was gay. So I left my house with the clothes on my back. And a backpack. And a backpack. With maybe one change of clothes. One change of clothes and shoes or something. And that was it. And I was out. And... From then on out, it was, you got to survive. You got to do this. You got to do it for yourself. And honestly, I wouldn't have been able to do it without Jen. But at the end of the day, I also have to say that it was my choice to survive, to be able to make it. Mm -hmm. Jen was a lot of help, but I chose to not crumble down and just choose failure instead of getting myself back up and surviving. And we did it. There was no other... It's all for to go back to say that I had no other option but to fucking make it. Because I was not going to let them... I was not going to prove them right. That I was worthless and that I was this and that I was that. Although the first year it was a lot of shit. I don't know, like... I suck. (laughs) I can't do this, I can't do that, but it was okay. I mean, I feel like the depression hit a low. Yeah, my de- and then, then I mean, I've been dying, I mean, we've talked about it. I think Jen's been pretty open about it on, on, Instagram. on Instagram and stuff. I have severe depression and I have severe anxiety and PTSD, which is obvious, you know, it's something that you would expect for me to have. So I have those three little things <laughs> that I have to deal but with. But they do not define you. But they do not define me, that is correct. But I did get into a really, really dark, 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 dark hole of 
being depressed. And I mean, for you that are li- for you guys that are listening out there and and you suffer depression, you know what I'm talking about. When you get in that freaking hole, you can't get out of it. It's so 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 hard, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is, and you're going to make it. And one thing that I learned from this disease is you got to take it day by day. And you cannot, you know, pressure yourself and put all these like crazy expectations on yourself. And then just to make yourself feel like crap. You have to take it day by day and set yourself little goals that are obtainable, that you can do, that you can get through them. And celebrate yourself. Celebrate yourself after every little victory. Because every day that you are able to survive with depression is a huge victory. Getting out of bed is a victory. Being able to brush your teeth is something to celebrate. Showering fucking celebrate it because it's a hard thing to live with but it's not something that you can't live with like you can you can do it you just got to choose to keep on going and you'll you'll be able to do it you'll be able to make it get the help that you need it's a long podcast guys it was a long one But I think that we, you, not me, you have been as open as you can. And I know that recording this podcast probably isn't your favorite thing in the world. But it's a huge part of who you are. You know, even though your childhood was bad, it's... It's still one way or another shaped you to be who you are now. Um, I think that you have chosen to let it shape you to be an amazing person that fought for that success, you know. And when we say success, we don't mean being rich or, you know, success is, is finding the happiness that you thought didn't exist. You can't measure success. Right. Because if you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're always you're never, be searching for more. You're never going to yeah, get it. Yeah, success will never be obtainable. But if you look at it as, you know, I don't know. How do I, how do I say it? Like, Just being, living a life that, makes that you you're happy. proud of yeah. and that makes you happy. I think that that's, that's success. Because a lot of people mistake success with money. Yes. And you'll never have enough money. You can be a freaking millionaire and it's still not going to be enough money. You're always going to want more. You're always going to want more, which is not a bad thing. You know, you should never just settle. settle. But success should be measured in with your happiness. And the love that you receive. Mm -hmm. So. That's how I feel like I. Did not become a failure. Yeah. I have accepted love in my life. I have a beautiful wife. A beautiful doggo. A beautiful bunny. The most amazing in-laws. 
And I mean that. I lucked out. <laughs> I really did. Not everybody loves their in-laws. And believe me, I, at the beginning, I didn't think that I could ever love mine. Because they were just fucking weird. <laughs> they were in a healthy relationship. <laughs> they were in a healthy relationship. So I was like, what the fuck is this shit, right? But no, it, it's just me. I was the problem, but that was the way that I beat my abusers. I won the fight. And it's an everyday battle. Don't think that I'm all fixed and I'm perfect and I'm all patched up and everything is okay. No, every day I choose to be happy. Every day I wake up and I choose to not let that part of my life define me. I choose to wake up and work hard for my family. Because I love them. We love you. Mm-hmm. All of this to say that if you have been told by one or by many that you are not worth it or that you will not amount to anything in your life, they're wrong. You are worth it. You will always be worth it. And if you just try, you will be successful. You will find the happiness that you want. You will find the love that you're looking for. You are worth it. It's that simple. You, you will feel, always be worth it. If you feel like you're not worthy, I'm telling you right now that you are worthy. If you feel like you're in a situation where you can't get out of it and you just cannot see the fucking light of day because you're so deep in this fucking hole of abuse, reach out to me. Reach out to us. I can be your friend. I can talk to you about these things. And you'll make it. You are worth it. Don't take it for granted that you're alive. You're worth it. You are completely worth it. And repeat that to yourself a million times until you believe it. Because that's the only way to to believe it. You know, like, you have to say it to yourself. You cannot let your worthiness rely on another person. Mm-hmm. You have to realize it. And... If you feel like you can't get out of whatever situation you're in, seek help. Seek help. And if you feel like there's nobody that you can talk to about this, because it's hard to have to talk about this kind of shit. I mean, shit, I'm married to Jen. We made vows to each other. She's my best friend. And I still, there's still things that I can't talk to her about because I feel like I'm hurting her. And I don't want to hurt her. Go to therapy. Seek help. You can't afford therapy? Contact us. Message us. We'll talk about it. If you just need to get it off your shoulders, you just need to get it off your chest, I'll listen to you. And we can figure out something. You know, yeah. if, if, this, if this one podcast of me having to talk about the things that, the thing that, I'm, that I least like talking about does nothing but to at least help one person... And I've done my job. So all of this to say that you're not alone. Feel like you can't get out of this vicious cycle that is abuse, family abuse or relationship abuse or anything. There's a way out. You can do it. If I did it, you can do it. I'm not, I'm no one special. And I was able to figure it out. So 
email us. Yes. And I want to say one last thing before we end the podcast. I want to say that if you know of somebody that is being abused, whether that be a child, a woman, a man, it doesn't matter. Fight for them. Because sometimes, if not all the times, our system is flawed. And CPS does not rescue every child. They can't. There's too many. And they need somebody to fight for them. I don't care if you've filed a report and then nothing happens. File another one. Or find a different way to fight for these kids. Or even grown-ups that need the help. Because sometimes they are in this dark place and they have nobody speaking for them. They have nobody fighting or rooting for them. Mm -hmm. So if you know, if you've noticed abuse, if you've seen abuse, if you suspect of abuse, just fight for them. And be the voice for these individuals that don't have a voice. Because I wish that I could go back in time. And be the voice for tiny little Vettel. And there's so many times where she tells me stories of when she was a kid of things that happened to her or even things that she could not have. And I wish that I could go back and be that voice for her when she needed it. So just do the most that you can for the people that need it. And I know that it's not necessarily your responsibility you may not know or have a relationship with your neighbor or your kid, if you have kids, might come home and tell you that his little friend told him that he got hit or something. And it's not your responsibility because a lot of people view it as in, no quiero ser metiche, no me puedo meter en sus vidas. But just do it. Just be the voice for these kids or adults or individuals. And trust me, they will be eternally grateful for you rescuing them from from the shittiness. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is that. Dun, dun. Se acabó. Dun, dun. Se acabó el cuento. Don't forget to subscribe, share, y, y échale ganas. ganas.